to down to down to. Yeah. Miffed and peeved. Miffed and peeved. That's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad. Don't be miffed and peeved. Miffed. Don't be miffed and peeved. I don't it's a real world. It's a real world. It's a real world. I don't use it. It's a real world. Not in your vocab? Down to down. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schleck. We are part of CLNS Media. Also, dailyzender.com and featured on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time. With me today is my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, what's up? Well, we had uh, a clean week, uh, a great win against Cleveland. Everything went great uh, in these uh, three games. They played awesome basketball, and so, like, everything is great so far in Thunderland. <laughs> I know. this. I think this is our first... Um, sweep of the of the season where the thunder actually win every game during the week that cleveland game and i know that a lot of it is that cleveland is so bad and i you know i've seen the numbers i've seen cleveland play some i've never seen them play that badly because I'm, I'm not watching them play like the nets or somebody like that but they looked like the 29th ranked defense on Saturday, they were awful. I mean, these these stat lines are just outrageous, and these are all from the same game. Westbrook, twenty three points, twenty assists, nine rebounds. Adams, twenty five and ten. Uh, he was an absolute monster. Paul George, I mean, for Paul George to have that stage and to perform like he did, defend LeBron like he did, and plus score thirty six points, seven boards, two assists, five of eleven from three. He was a killer. And then Mello. Like when I checked the box score after the game, I had to like do a double take when I saw that he had twenty nine points, ten rebounds, three assists, and a steal. I was like, "What?" Yeah. I was like, "When yeah. did Melo get twenty nine points?" I was like, "I was, I was expecting maybe twenty or seventeen, but twenty nine. I mean, goodness. I mean, and that's that's this Thunder team being really talented, and also this Cavs team just being in complete disarray." Yeah, I mean, they were. Like awful in turn in on the defense event in mm. every a part of the defense like transition pick and roll every every really um, thing that OKC ran uh, on Saturday basically it was it was an open shot or close to that I mean I ca- I, w- I counted very few uh, contested looks um, some were actually important in the economy of the game because mm-hmm. they were in important moments like that last three or the um, the tweet that Paul George took um, from the corner, but overall, I mean, OKC played a very, very uh, good game with a with extremely good pace. I mean, they were decisive. They were going into their set early, uh, and so I mean, when they play like that, it's it's fun to watch. It's effective, and it's everything you can ask for. Um, on the Cleveland side, I mean, I I made like a, a quick film session on Saturday morning. Um, I, I I had the feeling that OKC could exploit like their pick and roll coverage, mm-hmm. but to to get to that level of, of defense <laughs> on national television, like that was unexpected. I mean, they were unable to to uh, to be effective in the first um, like in the first chance, but they were even worse in this as a second chance point where Adams basically destroyed them like completely. Yeah. Yeah, he was such a monster. They had no answer for him. Tristan Thompson really looked small <laughs> compared to Adams. Uh, and Kevin Love only played three minutes. I know he was sick. Um, I just have a feeling that that wouldn't have mattered all that much, just the way that Adams play and the, the fact that they want Kevin Love to be a center. Like, I just <clears> – <throat> they're, they're in a tough spot with Love, and I think he's very, very good. Um <laughs> But when you go up against a guy like Stephen Adams, uh, it's it's just going to be tough for him overall. Be- just because of the way that Adams can move on the perimeter too, so it's not like Adams couldn't cover him on the perimeter um, because he can. And then the offensive glass, like Adams, just owns the offensive glass this season. Yeah, yeah, he does, and he's going like he's getting national uh, recognition for that. Yeah, uh, um, I-, I saw a few tweet by. 
Oof, Zach Lowe, sorry, uh, that, that actually it, it is important that guys like him starting to recognize uh, what Steven does on a nightly basis because I think that he, he, he is playing at an amazing level. Uh, he's by far uh, the most consistent player that OKC has. And even when he has like a bad month, like, like this one, shooting-wise, he's, he's doing like every other thing at a very, very high level. And there's not many players that can do that on a highly dysfunctional team as OKC has been like the first few months, months right. of the season. Right, yeah. He's just going to have a huge impact come playoff time. Like, when the game slows down, when the possessions become more important, and you have a guy that can create more possessions for you, you know, five more possessions a game, I mean, that's just incredibly valuable. And he doesn't kill your transition defense, and he is your defensive anchor. There's just not that many guys in the league that can create that many opportunities for you. And then come playoff time, like, you just you need as many bites of the apple as you can get. And Adams helps you helps you get that, and without demanding anything for him. So basically, right. he he runs a very nice pick and roll with with, uh, with Russ. We know that um, he may have like better chemistry with George. I think that connection worked um, for a few games, and then they didn't play together as much. But there is something there. Uh, but you don't have to call anything for him. He will get stuff for himself, and he's he's like. At the end of the rookie contract, like this is the first year of his next contract. He's not in his prime yet, and he's like really the third best player or the fourth best player if Melo plays like 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 Saturday. But it's a close call. So it is. He's twenty four. Like when we when that contract was signed, I was I was positive. I mean, of course, you want to have as much as a discount you can, but. Like to having this by him this quickly that 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 was not expected at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's he's he's been incredible. Uh, having Andre Robertson back in the lineup uh, just really helps glue together that starting lineup, especially defensively. Offensively, you know, like he he will never be able to shoot it. Like, let's just go ahead and get past that. <clears throat> all you guys at home that think you can shoot better than him, fine fantastic but there's a hundred other things that he does on the court that really not a lot of nba players can do on the defensive end offensively he's cutting he's moving the ball he's not a detriment anymore to me and i know that he airballed free throws great we can just we can target that if you want but i'd rather look at the fact that he moves the ball quickly that he's moving uh and i think that he does help the offense yeah i mean uh, i think that like OKC at the beginning of the season was like wasn't able to to use him, um, and he wasn't able to contribute to the offensive rhythm. I think that as soon as he started moving in the right spots and with the right timing, the whole offense works better because they they are kind of looking for him, and yeah. so they have to keep the ball moving while he's moving to to keep it like some sort of flow. And so if that is the way that Anders Robertson Robertson plays. Offense, I'm all in. I mean, yes, the free throw. Like, I ho- I really hope that he somehow get it together because it's all mental. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, like, I mean, there are plenty of beat writers. Like Fred is like Fred Katz is probably the first among them that constantly tweets about how how effective he is shooting the ball like in practice. Sure. So it's not like a mechanical stuff. It's not like he. It's not just the mechanical stuff. It's it's something in his head that probably uh, either he's never going to fix it or at some point, like from one day to, to, the, to the next one, he will be able to uh, to improve that drastically. We saw Drummond. I mean, Drummond played like his first five seasons shooting 30% on mm-hmm. free throws. And now he's shooting at a reasonable percentage. I, I, I lost track of the exact number, but I mean, it is it, better. So sometimes it does improve like quickly. Sometimes it's like that. And uh, as much as Robertson is detrimental for that uh, in coming playoffs time because they will target him him, uh, on that particular part of his game, all the other things are are great. I mean, you don't like this kind of defender. Like it's hard, hard to find. Yeah. Drummond, uh, almost 63 percent from the line, which is 
incredible. He was 38% last season. So to jump exactly. that big of a jump is, is crazy. And, you know, I just hope that people understand and know that it's not for a lack of effort from Dre. And I think people oh, no. misunderstand that. They're like, if you just sit there and practice, that's how you, that's how you get be a better free throw shooter. Well, I keep practices all the time. He may shoot more free throws than anybody on the team because he, I mean, he's clearly embarrassed by it and would love to be able to fix this problem and would love to be able to contribute more by making shots and hitting your free throws. But there is a mental block there for whatever reason. And, you know, some guys get over that and some guys don't. Uh, Even if he doesn't get over it, even if this is who he is the rest of his career, I still think that they've got a high-level contributor in, in Robertson. And, you know, maybe at the trade deadline they can go get somebody that can come in if he's, you know, being fouled intentionally that can kind of be a placeholder for him. Uh, but the truth is that you'd rather have Dre out there because he makes the defense elite. He makes this team elite. Um, and when he's moving the ball and running like we mentioned earlier, uh, then he's not killing you anymore. Because when, when he sat in the corner last season, I mean, that just absolutely destroyed one side of the floor. And I was like, okay. Well, if we're not going to be creative, then we probably just need to get rid of him. Um, mm-hmm. But now they're being creative. He's active on both ends. And I, I just I just can't say enough good things about Andre Robertson. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're, you're perfectly right. I mean, when he plays like that, OKC has another ceiling. And um, I'm not sure if you read the piece that uh, Sirat Soy wrote uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. It was... It, it was Totally on, like spot on on Robertson. Mm-hmm. Robertson raises the ceilings, uh, the ceiling of OKC, because of how important it is to have a guy that can stop, like stop completely, the best offensive player on the other team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the Thunder team, a few kind of bird's eye numbers. They're sixth in net rating behind the Wolves, Celtics, Raptors, Rockets, and Warriors. Their defensive rating, they're fourth in the NBA behind the Sixers, Spurs, and Celtics. And then they're 12th in offensive rating. So they continue to get better on the offensive end. They've hovered in the top five all season defensively. uh, And to be a top six team net rating, you know, that kind of matches the eye test of the way that they played uh, the other night. So uh, really, really interesting team. This Thunder team, they've had the ups and the downs. It has been a roller coaster regular season. And I'm not going to declare that they've figured it out and, like, this is it. And, like, they're they're just going to sweep the rest of the season. I still think there are going to be ups and downs going forward. But to me, and I feel like we knew this a few weeks ago, too. But having those lulls makes you kind of forget. But this is a dangerous team. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I think... Probably most people would say the Rockets would be the biggest threat to the Warriors, but the way that the Thunder play, I just feel like they're probably the biggest threat to the Warriors in the Western Conference uh, just because they are such a good defensive team and they have these scores that are starting to figure out their spots with this team. Uh, they're, they're going to be dangerous, and I don't think any team is going to want to play them come playoff time. Uh, they're, they're just very, very good. Uh, and they may they may lay an egg against Brooklyn on Tuesday night. You know they may lose to Brooklyn at home. I wouldn't that would not surprise me at all. But I still think that going into the playoffs, this is going to be a really good team. Uh, I'd be surprised if Presti didn't make a trade or add somebody to the roster to kind of strengthen the bench. Uh, so I just I just really believe that this team can make some noise. And you know that may mean a second round exit because you have to put the Warriors in the second round. Um, but I still think that they're they're a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, I mean, um, I I don't think the, the Warriors will be completely, uh, I mean, calm and I like. Well, they will be confident, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what makes them like incredibly good. But I I would I would think about twice about facing the Thunder in the second round. I mean, it's as you said. I mean, if they if they get it going. For, for the playoffs and if they can generate this, the shot quality they had for example against uh, against Cleveland but even like the, the last like month uh, starting from mid-December the shot quality increased increased a lot and so if they can if they're able to, to generate those kind of shots against Golden State I mean if they get it rolling for, for two or three games that 
can be like a close series. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that the Thunder have like the tools right now or even with a, with a trade to beat them for sure. Uh, the Warriors will be favored with anyone, uh, especially if Cleveland's play like, play like that. Yep. Um, but but the Thunder can have like a chance to make some noise. If you, if you win two games against Golden State, how many teams can do that, really? I mean, maybe Houston, but there's there's about it. So if, if you're able to do that, it means that you have something. And with the like with the growth of some of your player, if you're able to keep it keep this roster together next year, you will have a chance. And so, yeah, uh, I think that without looking as as far, uh, that, but this season, if OKC is able to keep this, like even in spots this level of play, the postseason will be interesting. Yeah, without a doubt. Everybody wants to talk about Rodney Hood, McKellie. Everybody wants to know about Rodney Hood. Uh, what are your What are your initial thoughts on him? And then we can dive into a few stats. So the initial the initial thought that I had was um, I was very high on him in coming coming to the drafts because he was uh, projected to be in Thunder range. If you're like, uh, I'm sure the listener will remember that draft um, is the one that we took at the 21st with the 21st pick, uh, Mitch McGarry, um, and then I think Eustace uh, with yep. the 29th, and, and Rodney went 20, 22nd or 23rd. I don't remember uh, exactly, probably 22nd. And so it, he was in range for the Thunder to uh, to take him, uh, but they decide otherwise. I think. I think he could be like a good uh, addition because he's talented. He's not as good um, on the defensive side, of course. This season is particularly bad uh, on that. On, on that. Uh, but I mean, if you can take him uh, and if you can like do it without uh, depleting completely um, your depth, then is some that is something that you can try to do. Especially because like the restricted mark, market next season. It, Will not have as many money as like last season or the one after, the one before that. So mm-hmm. there is a reasonable chance that you can sign him for a reasonable contract. And I mean, he offensively is very good. He's shooting thirty nine percent. Even if this season is again, it's not like as good as as uh, the one before that. I think that it, he can be a, like a good addition. Uh, for like to give like uh, to the bench an offensive spark uh, that sometimes is missed, and so yeah, it, it depends what you have to to uh, to send to Utah to make this deal happen. Because there are other teams like Boston or other uh, suitors that have more assets than OKC. Yeah, I mean, if if they're looking for a first round pick, I mean, that's where everything stops with OKC, you know, and that's probably what they're looking for. They would probably like to get a first rounder for for Hood. Uh, if they can't do that, I mean, it really, and I, I think I tweeted somebody this. It really all depends on like what do they think of Alex Abrinas, <laughs> and what do they think of you know a Terrence Ferguson? Like that's those are like your conversation starters. You're like, what do you like? Alex Abrinas has got another year left on his deal, five point seven million. You know, kind of the fear and the reason that they're looking to trade Hood is because he'll be a restricted free agent. And mm-hmm. if you, you know, if you, if you're not incredibly interested in him, you just probably need to move on from him before he hits that market. Um, you know, you could do an Alex Abrinas or Rodney Hood swap, and. You know, I feel like Abrinas would be really good in Utah. I just don't know if that's enough. No. And I don't think that you could do Abrinas and Ferguson because I think that, I don't know. Do you, do you think that's too much for, yeah. for Hood? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that because, I mean, uh, for this season, sure. I mean, Rodney Hood will probably uh, perform better than either uh, guys that you are sending out. But, I mean, in terms of that, you, you cannot give like two players that are getting rotation minutes, even in spot nights, for one that is not exactly what you need. Yeah. So if you if you say that well we we send Singler, uh, Abrines, and Ferguson for Courtney Lee, that is something that that I'm like more into that into it because I mean like Courtney Lee is the exact 
player that you need. A 3 yeah. and D, reliable defender that can shoot the ball at a very high clip. Uh, he's not a troublemaker, you know that. He is healthy, uh, well, reasonably healthy. The last few seasons, he played, like, I think over 60 games in every season um, as of late. While Rodney Hood is injury-prone, he is not playing any defense. This season, his on-off uh, numbers are terrible. I mean, mm-hmm. you, like the team with, with him on the floor is even worse than than what he actually when he usually is, and so if if you take a flyer like you, you send a Brines because he's not fitting with, with what you're doing, and you get someone that can because he's a bit longer and um, and probably more confident than a Brines, well at least maybe maybe Don, Donovan can have more confidence in him. Then sure, but to give away a first round pick in, in Ferguson and another shooter to get one that, that will not fit exactly um, what you need, it's it's too much. Yeah, what about Epe Udo, Rodney Hood for Abrinas and Ferguson? Uh, well, that is a tad better, uh, but I mean, I was looking at some number um, about Jeremy Grant at the center mm-hmm. because I, I heard like Nate and Danny and Dan Dan podcast to talk about how bad OKC is while Adams uh, when Adams is off the court, and it turns out then when when Grant plays the five, it's not that bad for OKC. Like it's not bad defensively. It's not that bad defensively. It's not terrible. Um, to, uh, like one out of the 106 uh, as um, uh, defensive efficiency is, is not great, of course. But to have uh, um, like a plus 10 net rating when you have um, Jeremy Grant on the, on, the, on the floor as a center, it's not something I will go away from that quickly. So Akpeyudo mm-hmm. gives you defense. Sure, but offensively is very limited as a player. So I would not do that uh, in the end because I mean I saw enough for Ferguson to see potential. And OKC, if everything when uh, goes wrong, will need potential and will need players like Ferguson on the roster. And so no, uh, in the end I will probably say no to that. I guess my question would be. Wouldn't you rather have a guy like Rodney Hood on a restricted deal if uh, Paul George decides to leave? Because he can be more of a guy that can you can maybe try to mold into a better defender and you can put out on the wing and he could start for you? Yes. Yes, in some sense. Um, but, again, to... It depends what I have to to give up, and that yeah. to me is too much. Because, I mean, question: If I have a Brinus instead of Rodney Hood, mm-hmm. and you have no Paul George, how 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 big is the drop? Like two wins, three wins? It's it does like. Do you think that having Hood will change your your likelihood to make the playoffs? Um, he could. He could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I just think I mean he can do. I mean, he's a much better player than Alex Abrines is. I mean, he can he can handle better. He can create in the mm-hmm. roll some. Uh, I just think that you'd rather have him. Period. Sure. It becomes the the biggest question in all this is money. Like, is is the ownership going to be on board with this? I mean, they could trade for him and then just not re-sign him in the off season. You know, mm-hmm. and just see what how he could help over the playoff run, and then like you're paying quite a bit for, you know, a, a two month rental for Rodney Hood. But if you intend to keep him, like the investment long term is going to be pretty substantial because you're not going to be giving up that much money, you know, right now, and you're going to have to pay him. I, I don't know what he's going to demand, like twelve million a year. Like I have no idea what you pay Rodney yeah, Hood probably. in the off season. Um, so that I mean, it's it to me, it's more of a financial thing. It's more of an ownership. Like if the ownership signs off on that, then mm. you can discuss all this. But I would honestly be surprised if ownership would sign off on signing a wing restricted free agent uh, or trading for one, just because I I I think the financial implications are just so massive. Um, and I I don't love RPM uh, for from ESPN, mm-hmm. but if you look at his defensive RPM. He ranks 464th yeah. out of 472 in defensive RPM. Yeah. 
Like yeah. he's in like he's in the class of Marco, Marco Bellinelli has a better DRPM <laughs> than Rodney. Hickles. Yeah. So, so 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 like like if you if you if you want to target that kind of player, um, money is surely a question. The mm-hmm. defense is surely a question. But to me, health is very important with Hood. Sure. He, sure. he I mean he played like fifty games his rookie season. Seventy nine the the year. The, the, the next year, 59, the, his third season. And this season, he has not been completely healthy. So, I mean, that's worries, that worries me a lot. And to give up, again, like a player that can be Rodney Hood in two, three years in, in Ferguson, because he's long enough and he can be a shooter. I mean, if he doesn't move the needle this season, I will not do that. So Bellinelli, if you say, well, let's trade up Brinus for Bellinelli, yes, let's do that. I mean, I, I don't particularly care. I mean, it's one season more of Brinus. Billy clearly doesn't trust him. I mean, Saturday was 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 the perfect example. Uh, like Ferguson wasn't ready to play that game, yeah. uh, and he decided to put him before Alex, yeah. which had experience at the highest. Again, Alex was a player that um, went into like Euroleague finals. So it, it, I know that it's not NBA, but it's much better than anything Ferguson has ever played in his life. So if you don't trust your guy, then just 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 trade him. Uh, but but and and Billy Nelly can give you like more experience, more like consistent shooting. Maybe Donovan will trust him, and I'm okay with that. But to, mm-hmm. to sacrifice Ferguson, no, no, not for her. Yeah, Ferguson even showed some flashes against the Cavs. His athleticism is just crazy. Like he yeah. is just a freak athlete. Um, and you're right; he's not going to be able to contribute at a high level for a while. But you're talking about a guy that could be a two-way wing that can shoot it, and is just uh, a monster in transition. So, yeah, I'd be su- I'd be surprised if they dealt him. Uh, the the Abrina stuff is just weird. Like it continues to be weird, and. You're right. Like trade him. Like if you if you can get something for him at the trade deadline, you got to trade him. Because if if you're not going to play him, if he's just going to sit on the end of your bench for the playoffs, like why? Like I believe in him. I think that he's going to have a good NBA career, but it may just not be in OKC uh, because you know a lot of your a lot of these guys that are eighth to twelfth men. It all depends on your opportunity, who you're playing for, who your teammates are. And maybe Abrinas just is in the wrong spot. You know, I mean, I think Utah, and I've said this a hundred times, I think Utah would be a great landing spot for him because I think he could play a lot. They have a great defensive system, and they've got they, – they just make wings better. And I think that, you know, Abrinas could average, you know, he could shoot six threes a game and, you know, average over 50% from three-point range. That wouldn't surprise me at all if he did that in Utah for the rest of the season if he played for them. Um but he, I just feel like he needs another landing spot, and Utah in particular is just so incredibly interesting to me as you know a trade trade target. You know they've they've got we already talked uh, at nauseum about Rodney Hood. Uh, we've also talked quite a bit about Alec Burks too, <laughs> who I think would be a good fit in OKC. Uh, and then somebody that was mentioned on Dunked on this morning was Derek Favors, which is I don't know how well he fits but if he's like your backup big or your third big like that's incredibly interesting because he's a really talented player yeah i'm not sure they will buy him out though and trade for him i mean again if it's abrinas and and singler sure but i think like to get favors that will be like more like more expensive and i think there are teams that are interested in favors actually uh maybe i mean I'm not sure what Boston wants to do, and like Ainge has shown to be like the best GM in the league, uh, or close to that, uh, over the last few seasons. And so, if they trade for him, like it can be a, like a good fit to have a guy like Favors in Boston. To, uh, for OKC, I don't really know. Uh, I, I don't like the, the idea to get. Um, well, again, if it is about buyout, sure, but to, to trade. Um, stuff for favors where you don't you want you really want to give 35 minutes to Adams that that's yeah. that's yeah. what you want to do and 
I, I've been like so critical uh, of Jeremy Grant, um, mainly because when he plays at the four, he, he's not doing enough for you. But as a backup five, he makes sense, especially for the run that Tokisi has to do in the Western um, Conference, mm. where basically no one except for Nene in Houston has a very good backup center that that you you want to play out of of the of the floor. And so I'm not sure if you want to make um, real assets in trading for a big guy. Yeah, a wing is is a bigger need for, for the Thunder. And that's why like our Rodney Hood or Alec Burks, I mean those guys make sense. Courtney Lee, like you if the Thunder wound up with any of those three for what they have, and they don't have a lot to give. But if they wound up with any of those three, I think that they're better come playoff time. Uh, and, you know, I mean, Favors won't be able to play against everybody, too. Um, so it's – I think that he would – I think he would help because he, the Thunder just need more talent off their bench. But um, I would look elsewhere as well. Uh, anything else before we move on to our uh, previewing the games of the week? Yeah, I mean, on Twitter they ask us to talk about uh, Ray Felton thickness, and I think it's uh, <laughs> it was an interesting flag. I mean, I think Ray is is playing like he's playing very good backup minutes, yeah. and he he's leading that team uh, that that particular unit uh, with so much charisma and decisiveness mm-hmm. that sometimes it doesn't work because the talent is what it is, uh, but I. Sometimes they, they in the broadcast they leave the mic open, and he's so good in talking with, with his guys. I mean, I, I remember a phrase um, that he said to to Abrinas, He said, "Alex, you missed that. Don't worry. Be in that spot, and we will give you that shot again." Mm-hmm. And next possession, he does a pick and roll with Grant, and the ball uh, goes to Abrinas in the exact same spot, and Abrinas nailed it. So to have a guy like that with with, with young. Uh, players like Ferguson, like Abrinas, um, even with Grant, is so important. I don't care if it's, if it's just one season, uh, but to have a veteran like that that can give you like some some kind of a spark when he has it, like uh, for example, uh, like uh, against Cleveland, he he made a, re- a really important three pointer at, at some point in the game where uh, Cleveland was closing was closing in at uh, I, I think they went um, down to twelve. And he is like a very, very important free. So to have a player like that, he's so thick uh, and so like nice with <laughs> with young player, it's something very valuable for OKC. He's been so good. And he's not a perfect player by any stretch of the imagination. Like he takes some dumb mid-range pull-up shots. And, you know, he's made a lot of them this season as well. Yeah. Um, but his, his leadership with that second unit, the fact that that second unit, all bench unit, can be functional – is it's all about him because there's nobody yeah. else on that second unit that can create. And so it's, he, he's been very, very good, better than expected. And, you know, he's going to really help this team in the playoffs. I hope that they don't have to rely on him as their like fifth guy. If they can't, if they feel like they can't play Robertson. I really hope they can get somebody else, but as a backup point guard, there's just not a lot more you can ask for. Mm-hmm. So the Thunder play Tuesday night against the Brooklyn Nets, who they've already lost to this season. Mm-hmm. And this game, I'm terrified. I, I am just so scared that the Thunder are thinking that they can just walk, walk into this game and just kill this team without having to give any effort. Uh, because that's that's this Thunder. It would be the most thundery thing ever for them to lose to the Nets on Tuesday. Yeah, and the Nets are playing a good brand of basketball. I mean, yes, the talent is not great, um, but I saw the game that they played last night against Detroit, and they run good stuff. Yeah, they they find uh, open shots. They find they they shoot a lot of three pointers, especially um, when they came when like like the guy the main guys has it going. They are trying to reintegrate um, D'Angelo Russell. In their lineup, it, like last game was not good for him, but I'm sure he will. Um, well, it, it may take some time, um, and they are fun to watch. So I, I'm I'm sure that the game on on Tuesday um, will be 
I, I hope that the game on, on Tuesday it's uh, it's a fun game. Uh, on the other hand, as you said, I mean OKC tends to relax against those teams, and I think that when you do it against a team that can get hot hot from three, it's very very dangerous. And this week, um, yes, Brooklyn is the first, but all the teams that they play this week are in the same like around them like the average. Of like of the NBA team, some are down like like Brooklyn, some are slightly up like Washington, but they are all team that OKC should and can beat by far. Like they are more talented, they have a clear advantage in any of these games. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I worry, I worry because this is the perfect week, like to either uh, like like to to have like the the old Thunder week where they go like two and two and everyone is sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. It, it'll say a lot about this team, how they perform this week. Because yep. I just they, they need to beat Brooklyn Tuesday. Like they need to stomp them. And then Washington at home, that's an incredibly winnable game. Washington has not been very good lately. Uh, Detroit on the road, Detroit hasn't been playing well either. Like they can they can beat all these teams, and they have a back to back against Philly. Um, they play Sunday at five o'clock here in OKC. You know I. If they lose one of those games, like I think those are easy easy to explain away. Uh, but I feel like they just have they if they're going to prove that like we are, you know, they want to have like the three seed. Like if they want a shot at the three seed, they need to win three out of four of these games. You know, it, there's a glimmer of hope for the three mm-hmm. seeds still for the Thunder. And if they want to have a crack at it, they've got to start beating the teams they should beat. They've got to beat Brooklyn. They've got to beat Washington. They need to beat one or both of Detroit and Philadelphia. Just because those teams are not that good. Uh, and the Thunder are. Like, the Thunder are really good. But they tend to play down to their opponents. And they didn't do that against the Lakers because, for whatever reason, they just destroy the Lakers. Um, but they've got to come out with that energy that they've talked about, and they know they don't have it. <laughs> it's just funny. Like they'll play a whole half. Ah, we didn't really have the energy. Let's make sure that we correct that, and then they go correct it, and then they just stomp a team. Well, I my question is, how do you start with that energy? Like, how do they how do they find the energy to start the game? And if they can figure that out, and I don't know if they will, but if they do figure that out, then they can go on a really huge run. Here, you know, going into February. Yeah, I'm. It's it's tough to keep the energy high for the whole game. I mean, yeah, I realize that do that every game for 48 minutes, it's not doable. I mean, even the 73 winning Warriors had like the third quarter as the the one where they basically killed every opponent, uh, and maybe by half game they were up five, six, and then by the end of the third, you're up 20, and the game's mm-hmm. done. So I think that OKC, especially against bad team lately, um, they had very good third quarters. Against yeah. Charlotte, they did. Against the Lakers, they did. Um, they did it uh, in LA as well. Yeah, against Sacramento, they, they, they did. So if you are able to control the game at the beginning, so stay in the game, play your game, put your main guys in rhythm, and and then, like coming the third quarter, after halftime, you go out with your full energy for 10 minutes and you kill everyone. Mm-hmm. That is something that very good teams can do. Like they show up for the third quarter, they shut down the opponent defensively, they score as they as they normally do, like 50, uh, 25 to 30 points per quarter. And then you're magically up by 15, 18, and you can let your uh, reserve come, in, uh, come into the game, get some confidence, get some real minutes, because the, even if you're up big, those minutes are important to, to, to be played with a, with a very high level of uh, energy and, and, and poise and consistency, as they did against Cleveland. I mean, the, th- the second quarter for, the, for the, um, the reserve wasn't that good because they, they didn't, uh, like Cleveland, um, cut the lead. But at the end of the game, in the fourth quarter, they were okay. And that's important. If, so I would, I would focus on a change of pace during the game because it means... If you have that, it means that you really have a switch. That when you want to be good, you can be good. Mm-hmm. And so, coming playoffs time, that is a, something really, really important. Yeah, I think my only thing is, like, if if they play like that from the get go, they don't have to sustain that energy for the full forty eight. You know, for 
you know, they don't even have to play the fourth quarter, you know, if they if yeah. they can sustain that energy or start with that energy. Uh, but Brooklyn, their only injury is Jeremy Lin, who ruptured his patella tendon uh, on the first game of the season. But you're right, uh, D'Angelo Russell is back. They've got Chilo Okafor on their team, uh, who still doesn't really play a whole lot, but is still kind of interesting. Um, so they're an interesting team. They play the right way. They just don't have a ton of talent. Uh, the Washington Wizards, however, do have quite a bit of talent. Uh, Scott Brooks returns to Oklahoma City again, uh, coaching this Wizards team. Uh, they are they're coming off a win against Detroit. They beat Detroit one twenty two to one twelve. Um, they've got the pieces. Like all the pieces make a ton of sense for this team. You know, John Wall, Brad Beal, an incredible backcourt. You've got your defensive, you know, distributing point guard who's fast as lightning. You've got your shooting guard that can shoot the lights out. Uh, you got Otto Porter, who's kind of a do-it-all three. Uh, and then you have Gortat, who's a great, great pick-and-roll center. And then Markeith Morris, has, he's fine. He hasn't had a great season, but he's fine. Uh, but for whatever reason, they just haven't really clicked, and they haven't really gelled this season. So um, the Thunder playing them at home with a day of rest. Like, the Thunder have a clear advantage over this team. But, you know, I feel like this team could turn it on. Um and and beat a team like the Thunder it wouldn't be surprising. It wouldn't be surprising to me if they lost. You know, any of these games wouldn't surprise me just because of the way the Thunder have been this season. But I think it would be a quality win at home. It's a national TV game on TNT, seven o'clock. So I'd uh, it's, it's to me it's an important game for them to win and for them to make another. If they can continue to make statements on national TV, I feel like that's especially important to Paul George. Like Paul George, as much as he's not like an alpha player he still loves the spotlight and if he can oh, yeah. continue to have the spotlight in which the thunder have a ton of national tv games still to come uh i think it's big time for paul george especially in oklahoma city to see oh wow like this is a small city you know there's nobody downtown but i can still you know be a you know worldwide superstar here in oklahoma city like russell westbrook um, if I can perform on national TV like this. So I think it, it's just an important game for the Thunder in that way. Yeah. And I mean, uh, like talking like that uh, about the Wizard, it seems that they have a bad record. Actually, they have the same record of OKC. But doing that right. uh, like <laughs> in, the, in the Western Conference is, is a different matter. Sure. Well, I think that, and they started the season really well. Is, yeah, yeah. And they, they, they just can't. The Thunder started awful, and they've been good since December. And yeah. the the Wizards have been worse as of late. I guess I should have qualified that. You no, know, I mean the the point is to me that this like Washington is um, is a good team, uh, and they, as you said, I mean they have the whole all the pieces, and and if you if you let them. If you let them play uh, fast, if you let them play, uh, it, it, like if you are not able to guard the pick and roll between Gortat and, and Wall, you are in huge trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is a matchup that I'm very, very interested in. Um, I, I said it many times, but to, to see Adams play against those like pick and roll heavy teams is always, always interesting because you you kind of check how how good he is at doing like the little things. And if like the connection between Wall and uh, and Gortak is not as smooth as always, you, you know the reason. It's because Steven Adams is there and probably Robertson will will help that as well because he, again, as a duo, they are very good at breaking down those plays. Um, and, and yeah, as you said, I mean, Paul George has maybe a minor assignment in Otto Porter, but he can be like incredibly important against team like that because you can be active on passing lanes and again if you are a pick and roll team you will probably attack the pick and roll and then try to dish out and so having someone like Paul George that can be aware of that and like play the passing lane as as he can on national television he will he will try to to, to like to second the game that he had in Cleveland with another great performance and if he can do that then he he can be start he can be back in the like player of the year like defensive player of the year conversation mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think that he he's clearly already in the all defense conversation i don't yeah. know like who leads the defensive player of the year 
talks. Like I don't, I haven't heard a lot, um, but I don't uh, even know I, who would be in the lead. Yeah, I heard weird stuff. Like someone said, Giannis Antetokounmpo, which is hmm. weird. Weird. I mean, he, he's a good defender. Defender, like okay, yeah. but he's not. Like he is not like the defensive player of the year. Uh, it yeah. may be. Uh, well, Gobert is like the team is is bad and he is not playing as much as he as he, as he should. Um, it's KD the, the guy, but I mean his defense. I mean even if you if you like read the pieces that uh, Anthony Slater or others like insider in Golden State, it's. It's not been that good defensively, right. so it's really up to grab. I mean, like the narrative will be that KD has to win something, and probably that is the defensive player of the year is up to grab. But I don't, I can't think of someone that says, "Oh, well, okay, he's the the defensive player of the year." Probably Horford. That yeah. is a good good name. I mean, Horford and probably Smart are like big reasons why Boston has that kind of defense, but they are not like miles ahead of no. OKC. No. Uh, how can Giannis win it if they're the Bucks are the 25th ranked defense? That would because be... he has to do, like, he has to win something this season. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's um, I only have a few minutes, so we got to kind of fire through Detroit and Philly. Uh, Detroit is 22 and 23. Uh, they're ninth in the East currently. Uh, Reggie Jackson is out. He had a really, really bad ankle sprain, um, and he'll be out six to eight weeks. Uh, he still has a while to go. That was the day after Christmas that he did that. Um, John Luer, uh had surgery to repair a left ankle sprain, and so he'll he'll be out for a little while too. Uh, we've seen this Detroit team already. The Thunder lost to them earlier this season, uh, but they're kind of struggling right now they've lost five in a row and you know the thunder played down to their opponents again so it's it's this is easy for me to say that the thunder should beat this detroit team just the way that they've been playing lately uh but on the road uh things things can get weird uh but i do expect that if the thunder do show up like they should beat this team easily yeah especially without reggie i mean their point guard rotation is just not there Uh, and i mean uh, drummond is playing better this season but as of late his numbers are not as great as the beginning especially like like the passing is still there but Mm -hmm. defensively he's not he's not as good as he was at the beginning of the season so okc has a clear advantage on that game and especially when okc faces a lesser defensive team um and detroit is good overall but again like the deficient, the, um, the effective, effectiveness on defense has dropped a bit uh, over the last few few weeks. So I expect them to like they they, they can beat them, uh, especially because of the um, uh, like what they lack in terms of players. Mm-hmm. Something that's kind of interesting is that all three of their point guards have Oklahoma City ties. Reggie Jackson was clearly their backup. Ish Smith was the guy that they picked up when they had the season from hell where they lost everybody. And then Dwight Bikes played for the uh, Summer League team in OKC, which is kind of interesting. Um, Last game of the week, they play Philadelphia next Sunday, uh, second night of a back-to-back. This is at home. Uh, They do have quite a few injuries that they're dealing with. Jared Bayless sat out with a wrist injury. He could be back by then. Uh, Markel Fultz, everybody knows about Markel Fultz and his weird shooting and his shoulder Uh. and just... Markel. Yeah, it's awful. I just feel really bad for him. Uh, Rashad Holmes um, has been sick and has missed some games. I assume he'll be back. Uh, Firkin Korkmaz uh, is out for having the best name in the NBA. And then J.J. Redick, um, he had a cortical crack um, in the fibular head of his left leg and he'll be reevaluated in the next couple weeks. So uh, he will be out for that game as well and he's incredibly important to what they do uh the thunder and sixers maybe had the game of the year in that triple overtime game uh back in december and they get to play again but in oklahoma city uh the thunder they're a better team than philly they've got more experience all that um but this could still be a really fun game um kind of a sunday matinee it'd be really kind of a fun a fun matchup because Philly, like, you know, Embiid is really fun and Robert Covington is really fun. Ben Simmons, 
Um, so yeah, it's it's a really interesting game, and I think if if the Thunder can gut out all these wins, like that's maybe tells me more than anything that happened against Cleveland. Yeah, and uh, I mean Philly is a dangerous team on the road. They have the same home record as they have like uh, on the road, eleven mm-hmm. and ten, and they are like scorching hot the last few um, the last few weeks. They are eight and two over the last ten games, and they are really playing good basketball yeah. again red not having reddick will will give the thunder probably uh, a breather because you can slide robertson on um and like on a harder uh, assignment and and yeah uh, it will be interesting especially because okay season back to back and so it's home so that's that's better but still they will need energy to beat this philadelphia team uh, even on on their home court uh, and to like quickly on folds man that's that's very very sad yeah. i mean he he is talented very talented and to to see a player that can that, that really struggle to, to, to shoot the ball i mean you saw videos where he was actually oh, shooting let me why how ne- yeah. no one knows no one knows but still it's very sad and i, I really hope that markel can get it together because this team with markel Fultz is uh, like probably one of the, the uh, funniest team, like one of the best team in terms of showcase, um, show potential that they have. So let's hope Markel can get back to where he was last year. Maybe the Sixers saw what the Thunder went through their first few seasons where everybody just got way too good too fast and they're just injuring their players. Because like <laughs> Joel Embiid sits out like for three years. Uh, Markel Fultz is basically going to set out his first year. Ben Simmons sat out his first year. Nerlens Noel sat out his first year. Maybe they're just maybe they're just trying to delay this so that they they don't have to <laughs> make big decisions like Sam Presti did. Um, well, yeah, let's say that with Okafor and Noel, it didn't really well. Okafor and Noel, like uh, they were like it's weird that they where where they are now. Yeah. But with Embiid, at the end, they gave him like the maximum amount of money they could. So I, I think that with, yeah. with Simmons will be the same and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they will face some of the the trouble that OKC um, had. Yeah, uh, I've got to go. So yep. follow Michele on Twitter at Mikey Barra. He is great. Follow us on Twitter at Down to Dunk. Uh, we are getting close to three hundred five star iTunes reviews. Please, please, if you uh, listen week in week out and you haven't done that yet, you can do it in your podcast app. You guys are the greatest, and we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday. 